God in prayer. Desiring God in prayer. Wednesday nights, we are having our prayer meetings um, again at 8 p.m. John is still going through uh, the topic on prayer. I just want to encourage you all, if you can be there, it'd be wonderful to see you. Desiring God in prayer. Let's just bow before him as we come to this topic today. Father, we've been worshipping the Lamb upon the throne. We've been lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, who's worthy to be honoured and worthy to be praised, worthy to be glorified. We thank you that the, the tomb, that he was buried in is empty. And the angel said, he's not here, he has risen. We thank you, gracious God Almighty, that the Lord Jesus Christ is seated in the throne room on high. And we're able to worship and to praise and to honor the glorious Savior today. Oh, thank you for the privilege. Thank you that we are found in your house. Oh God, we think about the shopping malls today. We think about Lakeside and Blue Water and the shopping centers are heaving with people. Oh God, this morning, car parks are full. Everybody trying to buy something, oh God. But you said in your word, come to me and buy without money. Come to me, you say, oh God almighty. And I will forgive you and cleanse you and give you something that money cannot buy. Oh, thank you that we have found ourselves in this place this morning. Oh God, we bless you and praise you. And ask that you will speak now. For God, there's men and women before you this morning who are hungry. There's men and women before you this morning who are thirsty. There's souls, oh God Almighty, who don't know whether they're going left or right, Lord. Father, we pray that you will speak this morning from your word. We don't want to hear what man has to say. But, oh God, we want to pray that you will, you will, you will speak so we hear what you have to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, often I like um, shared lunches. We have shared lunches here sometimes. And uh, it's amazing when you go to the table, you often choose, and I do it all the time, you choose the food that you want to eat. You know, I mean, you don't like that, you won't pick it up. But if you do, you would. And you go through the table and you fill your plate with all the food that you will like to have and to enjoy. You know, some people come to the Bible like that as well. They come to the Bible and they look at it and they will choose what they will like and they put it on their plate and say, I like that. That's nice. And, and I don't like this and I will leave that behind. And, and we can so easily do that with the Bible. And this particular verse that we're going to look at this morning has become a verse that has become more about us than about God. It becomes more central about man than it does about the Lord himself. And the first in question is this, and it's in our Bible reading. Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We like that verse. And we often grab it and say, oh, that's my verse. 
I can take that verse, anything else I can leave behind. I will ask, I will seek, I will knock, and God will do what I ask him to do. And we often take these things to ourselves. So this morning, we're going to open up this verse. And by God's grace and by God's help, we hope to see what he really is saying. So the first thing I want to point out to you this morning is who is speaking. Who is speaking? Look what I have here. So I say to you, the first few words. So I say to you, the one who speaks, the one who encourages, the one who comes to you and and tells you what to do, is the one who had a ministry of three years upon the face of the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he is the one who speaks and he says, so I say to you. You know, we have an occasion in the Bible of a woman. She's a Canaanite woman, a non-Jew. And the Bible says a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. This woman is a Canaanite woman, and she comes to Jesus as a Jew. Absolutely an impossible situation. Maybe you can't understand how impossible situation it was. It was like you wanting to join the West Indian cricket team. One, you're not West Indian, and two, you can't play cricket. Absolutely impossible to even get into that team. And it's like this woman, she's going into, speak to Jesus. She's got a request. Lord, help me. My daughter is demon possessed. And you know what? The disciples turn around and say, send her away. Jesus didn't speak to her at first. But at the end, we read this. Then he told her, For such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child laying on the bed and the demon gone. This is the one who speaks in our verse today. And he says, I say to you, I'm the one who's speaking. I'm the one who is encouraging you. See that Canaanite woman? She had no hope. And yet I still heard her cry. And Jesus says, I'm speaking this morning. And I say to you. But not only that, the one who says, I say to you, is the one who weeps with the brokenhearted. It's the one who feels your pain. He sympathizes with your grief. Now, this is so important, and I said this before, but it's so important to understand that Jesus sympathizes. He knows the brokenhearted, and he comes alongside you. So important. Why? Well, because in our Bible, we have a situation where Jesus goes to Lazarus' grave. And he's no ordinary man, you know. Jesus Christ is not a good prophet. 
He's not just a good teacher or a good rabbi. Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. And he's going to Lazarus' tomb. And he knows that when he goes to Lazarus' tomb, he knows that he's going to call Lazarus and he's going to come out. He knows it because he's got the power of death and life. So he goes to the tomb, but even though he goes with authority and power, we read these words in John's Gospel. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus himself, with all the authority of heaven, knows and he's close to the brokenhearted. He sympathizes with you when you go through difficulties, when you go through hardships. He sympathizes, he comes alongside of you and it's he who says, I'm speaking this morning and I say to you. But not only that, Jesus is one who also speaks to you. He's the one who, when you prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, not my will be done, but yours. Why did he say that? Because he knew that your salvation, your safety, was dependent upon his death. He knew that his death was absolutely necessary, absolutely needed in order for you to have a relationship with God. And so he himself says, not my will, but your will be done. Because if I do not die, those in Golding's church this morning, those in Loughton this morning, will never get into the kingdom of God. Therefore, Lord, I don't want my will. I want your will to be done. And because he speaks like that, he turns around and he says, I say to you, that's the one who's speaking this morning. The one who laid down his life for you. And finally, can I say about this one who's speaking this morning? He is the one who says, I say to you, he is the one who will one day receive you into your eternal home. I can remember the day our boys were born. I remember bringing them home from hospital. How many people here was born in a hospital? Put your hand up. How many people was born in a hospital here? Okay. How many people was born in a home, in a house? How many people was born in a car? Nobody? Well, don't laugh too much. I mean, I hope, Michael, I hope you don't get to the hospital in time. Because I heard a story of a man the other day. He was driving his wife to the hospital and she couldn't wait. He had to pull over and deliver the baby in the back of the car. You know, when a baby is born in a hospital, in a car, in a house, wherever the baby is born, um, mainly in the hospital, let's take the hospital for example, the baby is not going to live in the hospital for the rest of its life. 
No, you're going to take the baby and you're going to bring the baby home to the house where you live. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're born again, if you're born again, this is not your home. Don't let anyone fool you. This is not your home. Oftentimes, you get tied into this world. But I want to tell you this morning, if you're born again, born of the Spirit of God, this is not your home. And it's not me saying that. This is the teaching of the New Testament. And so when we look at words like this from Hebrews, for you look for a city which has foundations, whose builder and whose maker is God. This man, Abraham, was looking ahead. He had a city at home. He was here in in, in Israel. But the Bible says he was looking for a city. Not just a little small little hope, but a city that the builder and maker was God himself. Speaks again of these others, but now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Do you know God has prepared a city for you? Do you know God has prepared a mansion for you? The Bible says that I have a mansion with many rooms. The problem is, listen to me, we get so tied to this world. Nobody wants to leave it, do they? Nobody wants to hang up their coat and say, I'm done with this world. This wickedness, evil, and say, I'm done with this. I'm going home. God has prepared a place for you. And it's he who says, I'm speaking. I say to you, I'm going to welcome you into your eternal home one day. And I'm speaking. That's the one who's speaking. This verse carries much weight because of the person who is speaking. And he's prepared a home for you. I'll say a little bit more about that further on in our, in our message. So let's move on to the rest of the verse. So he says, I, so I say to you. What does he say? What does he say? Ask and it will be given to you. This is a wonderful part of this verse. Ask and it shall be given to you. What a wonderful promise. The sad thing is, we don't often know what to ask for. We don't really know what to ask for. Well, Jesus met a woman. He speaks to her and she doesn't really know what to ask for. And in John chapter 4, he meets a woman by the well. And he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, listen to this, you would have asked him and he will give you living water. Here Jesus meets a woman by the well. And he says to this woman, give me a drink. And this woman, seeing he's a Jew, saying, well, what are you asking me for? And that's when Jesus said this, if you knew the gift of God, 
You would have asked me. And I will give you something that you would never, ever imagine. I will give you living water. What does it mean? Well, he explains himself in the next verses in that same reading. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What Jesus was saying, what I give you will satisfy you to the core. What I give you will satisfy you through and through. You see, we think we get satisfied by different things. We think to ourselves, you know, if I buy a new car and we go down to the showroom and we buy a new car, shining and clean and smelling sweet. And as we drive out of the car showroom and we drive down the road enjoying our new car, another car goes past and we look, oh, that's not a bad looking car. We think certain things will satisfy, but I want to tell you this morning, nothing this world has to give you will ever satisfy you. And so Jesus speaks and he says, come to me and I will give you living water that will satisfy you in such a way that it will well up to eternal life and fill your very life. Not only down here, but in the world to come. That's what he says. This woman is very much like us, though. This woman is like me and you. Because she's not concerned about eternal life. She's concerned about making sure she she doesn't have to physically work too hard. She says, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's very much like us. Oh, Lord, you know, Give me these things and, I, and, and, and my life will be much more easier. Give me these things, Lord, and I, and I won't be put out. Give me what I need, Lord. And often we come and we ask God for things that are temporary and things that are passing and things that are transient and things that don't last. And we say, Lord, give me these things. It will make my life so much more easier. We're asking for the wrong things. For the Lord turns around and he says, I will give them, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never, indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's what we're looking for. Ask, sadly, too many, even Christians, are asking for the wrong things. This verse is pointing you to ask for things. That's eternity. I love what Jesus says. Now going off my message a little bit, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Oh, we've all got them, haven't we? But what happens to our treasures on earth? Well, they get rusty. They get eaten by moths. They might even get stolen. But Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven when rust and moth does not destroy 
and we're thieves cannot break in and steal. Ask and it shall be given to you. Do you want eternal life this morning? Do you want to live in the presence of God this morning? Well, you're encouraged by the one who sympathizes with you, who died for you. You're encouraged by him to ask. Let's go on. Because here we see the next thing he says in this verse. Seek. Seek and you shall find. What do you think the Lord will have you seek for? Most churches will tell you that God wants to show you your destiny, your fame, your position in society. I remember listening to a message by Dr. Martin Luther King, one of my greatest preachers that I like hearing. And he said that some churches, they like to tell you how many doctors they got in their churches, how many lawyers they got in their churches, how many teachers they've got in their churches. They like bigging up the people who've made it into a position in life. But what would God have you seek after? I turn to David, King David. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. How's your imagination? Join me and imagine. Imagine a world where there is no more wickedness. Imagine a world where there is no ISIS and no terrorists. Imagine a world where you can go on the internet and there's no violence, pornography or swearing. Imagine a world where you can walk down a field and you see tigers and bears and lions and you're able to play with their cubs, able to swim in the sea and to swim with sharks. Imagine a world where you sit down at a feast and laid out for you is a, is a food prepared and there sitting next to you is Abraham and over there is Isaac and Jacob. You look down the table, you see Peter and James and John. And down the table, there's Mary and Miriam and Sarah. And you see these people that were in the bunch. Imagine a world where you will sit down and you look up and you see the Lord Jesus Christ coming towards you. And with him, the men and women who you loved and who died being born again. Imagine a world like that. Well, you don't have to imagine very long because the Bible says that that world is coming. For John in Revelation looked up and he saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down from God. That world is not far, far away. 
In fact, God wants to whet your appetite for it even this morning. I had a story of a missionary. He came to London. And as he came to London, he saw a poor child on the side of the road. And this poor child, as he was looking at this child, bent over and picked up a sticky sweet. She found it in the gutter. This sticky sweet was covered with ants and with creepy crawlies all around it. But she took it and she began to suck on it. And the missionary was horrified. So he went to the little girl and and tried to pull the sweet from her, her hand. But she wouldn't let it go. She wanted to hold on tightly to it. So the missionary thought to him, so what should I do? I know what I do. He went into the shop and he bought her a bar of chocolate with a gold wrapper around it. And he came out of the shop and he handed it to the little girl. When the little girl saw the golden bar of chocolate, she immediately let go. Her hand opened up and she immediately let go of the dirty, sticky sweet and laid hold of something far greater. I want to tell you, today, in our society, we're looking at the gutter of this life. We're holding on to the things of this world, the things that we think are beautiful and attractive, and we hold on to them. But this morning, God wants you to lift your eyes up this morning. He wants you to look up to what he has prepared. The Bible says, I have not seen, nor ear hath heard what God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed it to us. He has shown you that he has prepared something for you far greater than the things this world has to offer. So you don't need to seek this stuff. In fact, the more you seek it, the more you seek it, the more you seek a bigger house, the more you seek a bigger car, the more you seek a new relationship, you get tied down to this world a lot more. But when you begin to see God, you begin to let go. You begin to let go. And you say, oh God, you have prepared for me a home. You have prepared for me a city that has foundations. You have prepared for me a country That's way beyond, more beautiful than the country I'll ever see. You have prepared for me a mansion with many rooms. I will have a room there myself. You prepared for me a body that won't decay like my body's decaying now. Won't have all the aches and pains, problems with my hands. You prepared for me a body that will take the weight of glory. I will see. The Bible turns around. Oh, I'll read that verse again. The wonderful verse. One thing I asked from the Lord. This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And to seek him in his temple. Oh, may you join David this morning. May you join even my cry of my heart this morning. 
that we will leave the things of this world behind and seek what God has in store for us. It's coming. It's coming. Are you ready? Praise be to God. Isaiah turns around and says this. Phil, can I have the next slide up there, please, if he's there? Isaiah, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Don't wait till you get home. Don't say to yourself, well, I'm going to pray later on. No. Seek the Lord while he may be found. He may be found this morning. Call upon him while he is near. I want to tell you this morning, he is very, very near to each and every one of you. Seek him. Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. What's the final one? Well, the final one is, is knock. Phil, can you help me out here again, please? Knock. Knock and it will be opened. Do you know that knocking in on a door in the Bible is always negative? Knocking on a door in the Bible always seemed to be a negative connotation with knocking. Let me explain to you. Over in Luke's gospel, we have these words. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Jesus is speaking here. He says, make every effort to enter into the kingdom of God. Listen, you won't slip into God's kingdom. You won't find God's kingdom by accident. You want to be happening down your life and suddenly you find yourself in the kingdom of God. No, you go down your life without thinking and you'll find yourself in hell. That's what will happen. So Jesus says, make every effort. Every effort. Don't leave any stone unturned. Make every effort to enter in through the narrow door. Because he says, many, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the door is closed, once the Lord gets up and closes the door, what happens next? Well, we read that there's a knocking. But even in that knocking, this is what I want to get to. Even in that knocking, there is an answer given. And the answer is given in our Bible reading, but he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Another example of this we have is in Matthew's Gospel. Some of you know the story of uh, the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. Here we have it here in Matthew 25. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, these are the five foolish virgins, 
the bridegroom arrived. The virgins, the wise ones who were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door. Here again, there's a knocking going on. Open the door for us. But even though there is a knocking going on, and even though these five women were foolish, and even though in a last story, those people couldn't get in because they were wicked, they still was given an answer. And here's the answer. <coughs> truly I tell you, so truly I tell you, I don't know you. Now Jesus is saying, I'm encouraging you to come and knock because even the foolish will get an answer. Even the wicked will get an answer. And I'm encouraging you now, if you love me, if you know me, if you've been seeking and asking me for eternal life, I'm encouraging you to come because when you knock, I will hear you. I hear the foolish. I hear the unwise. I hear the wicked. And I give them an answer. Even though they're foolish, unwise, and wicked, I still speak to them. But you have trusted in the name of the Lord. And when you knock, I will hear you. And I will give you an answer. And the answer that I will give you will be a favorable answer. Because you don't stand in your own name. You stand in the name of my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't stand in your own clothes, in your own righteousness. No, you stand in the righteous robes of Jesus Christ. And when you knock, I will see my son. And I will hear you. I want to close my message this morning by asking you this morning. Are you knocking on that door? I pray that you are. I pray that you are asking for the right things. Like the woman by the well, she was asking for water. But Jesus said what you really need is living water. That will quench your thirst. Not for the natural things only, but will quench your thirst for eternal things too. I hope you are asking for the right things. I hope you are seeking. Not for the things that this world has to offer. Although they're nice and we need them and God blesses us with many things. I'm not decrying the things that God blesses us with. It's wonderful that he blesses us with many things. But are you seeking the main thing? Because if you are, when you knock, he will hear you. But sadly, I have to say, there are those here this morning. And you're knocking, or you will knock. And you will not hear a favorable answer. You will knock, and you may be in church all your life. You may say to the Lord, Lord, I've been at Goldings for such a long time. I've had the communion table. I've heard the preaching of the gospel. 
I've been here for many years. Let me in. The truth of the matter is the Lord could say to you, away from me, I don't know you. That's a terrible thing to hear from the voice of God. But Christ could say that. And so this morning, I will plead with you. I will urge you. I will beseech you by the mercy of God. Make sure you're standing in right relationship with Christ. It's not all about you, this verse. It's about what Christ has done for you. Draw near to him. Seek the right thing. Ask the right thing. Knock and the Lord will bless you. But make sure your heart is in the right place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we bow before you this morning. And we want to thank you so much for this wonderful promise in your word. I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. And this morning we come. Lord, And just for half an hour, we will take our eyes off of the world. Take our eyes off of the houses and the cars and the clothes and the the glamour that the world throws at us time and time again. We'll take our eyes just for a moment off of these things. And we will seek eternal things this morning. We'll turn our eyes to what you have prepared We turn our eyes to what you are going to bring in the days to come. We turn our eyes, oh God, to the time when we will put down this body of flesh. We will enter into our grave rejoicing and praising that alas, we can be done with this world and clothed in our heavenly dwelling. Oh God, Oh God, we need your spirit this morning. For only he can reveal to us the exceedingly great value of knowing you. Oh, outpour your spirit. Draw near to your church. And for those who do not yet know you, bring them in, Lord. Bring them in, oh God. That they won't stand outside knocking and knocking and knocking. Bring them in, oh God. By your spirit we pray that they will be saved. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.